Hey folks, uh, Christian Jordanov here. Thanks for joining us. Ryan Miniti is back on the show. Ryan, welcome, man. Hey, Christian. Thanks for having me back on, man. So for those of you that don't know Ryan, he's an aging expert. Ryan, tell us more about your expertise. Well, <clears throat> I am currently 55 years old, but I look like I'm 27. So I have a lot of experience in getting people to look younger and be healthier. And it's all based on a low-carb diet, as low-carb as you can go. As we all know, carbs are the devil, and they'll make you fat, sick, and weak. Satan so. incarnate. <laughs> <laughs> I did say aging expert, not anti-aging expert. So there we go. So any I tips see, on how we can age, how, how to accelerate the aging process? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say, like, I used to be on the low-carb train, but, uh, you know, as Christian, you pointed out, a lot of people, Paul Saladino and, and, and a lot of these types are now embracing carbs and eating, you know, 300 to 500 grams of carbs every single day. And, you know, a lot of it, even like in Paul's case, he's doing a lot of simple sugars, like he's drinking fruit juice, orange juice, and these kinds of things. So uh, it, it's really been a journey. I mean, who knows? Maybe in five years, we'll discover that uh, that carbs are actually hurting our metabolic health. I mean, it seems these huge shifts keep happening yeah. in, in the nutrition community where it's like, hey, man, we, we're starting to recognize that uh, PUFAs or polyunsaturated fats are really, really bad for us. And so we, we want to embrace more fat. And then so people lean into keto and they're doing like fat bombs and eating a whole stick of butter and like all of these kinds of things. And then they kind of limit their carbs and people have a lot of success with that in the beginning. But then, you know, they kind of hit a sticking point. They don't really move. Maybe they lost 30, 40 pounds and they keep trying to do keto eating this high fat diet. And it's it just stops working at some point. And I was having a conversation with one of my buddies just uh, the other day, and he was like, oh, I think I'm going to try a completely raw meat diet. And I was like, well, bro, like that, that might work initially, right? Because we're going from a standard American yeah. diet to a whole food-based diet. Obviously, you're going to be healthier, right? But, you know, I, I've actually looked into like the raw food kind of mm -hmm. side of things, especially like meat and eggs. And mm -hmm. I've come to the conclusion that you just don't get as much nutrient absorption when it's raw. What, what do you think about that? Christian? Actually, that's interesting that, that you say that I've kind of been looking, not looking into, I, I was looking into it back in 2018, but lately fun, funnily enough, I have been actually eating more, raw beef so it's mm. it's largely stemming <clears throat> excuse me it's largely stemming stemming from my desire to be extremely efficient with my time so i wake up in the morning just this is the last few months the last four months while i was writing my book i'd wake up in the morning that could be as early as like 3 3 a.m uh, not 3 a.m 3 30 a.m to 4 a.m usually for around on average 5 a.m and I go into the living room, I, I get the coffee going, and then I take about three three quarters of a pound of ground beef, 
that's got collagen in there, some fat, and I, I defrost that underwater while I'm drinking my coffee in front of the red light therapy lamp. And then at some point in an hour or so, I'll have that. I might have some honey with it or before that or some juice or whatever just to get some carbs in into the system. Because then the next several hours until my daughter wakes up and maybe even beyond if my wife is not working, I'm just going to be like at the computer. I need my brain to work really well. So I've been to to make the process faster. I just I don't cook the meat. I just eat the beef raw. And to be honest with you, it feels like I'm actually doing better with it raw because well, from what I understand, when you heat uh, a lot of protein uh, around 50 50 degrees Celsius, you start to denature the protein. So it changes the structure. So it actually can become more difficult for our, our enzymatic, uh, enzymatic processes to, to break it down. So it, when I eat raw meat, it feels like my there's nothing in me, like almost like water. But if I then, let's say, because uh, my wife is not obviously that extreme, let's say I do some something like beef and rice for lunch, I can feel eating that beef that's been even lightly cooked the way I cook it. It feels like it sits in my stomach longer, right? So I actually, and, and I've been drinking raw eggs this year, like every two two days I'll have like two to four raw eggs. It's just another faster way uh, because I also don't want to oxidize the, the fragile polyunsaturated fats in them. Um, and obviously certain uh, water-soluble vitamins are heat like labile, so when you cook beef or eggs, you are destroying some of the water-soluble vitamins. The minerals should be intact. So I, I, to be honest with you, I think a mix of both, if you can tolerate raw, I think a mix of both is good. You're kind of hedging your bets. You might be liberating more nutrients in certain ways and then destroying others. So it's, a, it's like you're hedging your bets. Well, I had sent you that one study where they they looked at uh, you know cooked eggs versus raw eggs, and it looked like the bioavailability of the raw eggs was around fifty to like fifty eight percent, whereas the cooked eggs people were absorbing up to ninety percent. Hmm. Um, so that kind of stuck out to me as uh, okay. Well, I guess raw eggs just aren't as bioavailable and you're not absorbing as much if you're consuming yeah. it raw it's hard to say i know for eggs there's the um, some compound that inhibits biotin absorption so you don't want to just eat them you know the, the, the it's in the egg whites you don't want to just drink them raw all the time because you might be messing with your biotin absorption from the eggs but yeah it's, it's hard to say from from i believe my, my my from what i've seen the not like my religious belief but from what i've seen i think i think raw should have better bioavailability if it's just regular meat because we the, the we we need when the meat is in your so you masticate you break it down the meat is in your stomach you have your hydrochloric acid you have your pepsin and and those other enzymes then you have further enzymes in the small intestine so it seems like we are, given how acidic our stomach is, the pH is kind of like that of a scavenger. It seems like we are very suited to scavenging dead carcasses, eating them raw, and then having sufficient hydrochloric acid so that we don't get sick from whatever bacterial pathogens were developing on that rotting carcass. Okay, so you're. Have you ever heard of Ajunus van der Planets? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because you're you're kind of saying exactly what he says. I call him a agentus. I think that's a little bit cooler sounding. <laughs> like uh, Key and Peel kind of thing. Hey, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> a A Junus. But that's exactly what he talks about. He talks about eating raw meat, and then he even talks about eating high meat, like yeah. liver that's been fermenting in a jar for yeah. like six months to a year. Have you you know that Sveria dude? Sverich? You ever heard no. of him? He got he got his YouTube channel. He was kind of one of the around 2018. He was vegan, sun gazing, sort of crazy stuff. Then he went raw meat and he kind of he around the time Paul Saladino was starting to come up. He was and he still promotes a lot of raw. He basically promote promotes raw meat blood, drink just animal blood, and th those are kind uh -huh. of his staples. So he was sort of like influenced by Agenus Wonderplants. And he, I, back when he was on YouTube, like again, back in 2018, he would take out jars with like high liver and various, you know, fermented meats and eat them and be like, oh yeah, this, I can see why it's called high meat because he, he's like, you do feel high, which I can believe because. Really? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, if you look at. GMT, right? That is dimethyltryptamine, right? So the these compounds are based on amino acids. Obviously, amino acids are in meat. If certain bacteria putrefy them, ferment them, change their structure through the fermentation process, I can see how some of these compounds will start to resemble psychoactive compounds like that they, they will start mimicking ser um, serotonin or uh, in terms of structure so this I, might I be a stupid thing to say but it's kind of like elephants like they're they'll eat like rotting apples that fall on the ground and they'll get drunk so maybe yeah. it's it's kind of the same thing with meat could, could be because i mean i know i know certain like with with uh, with certain kids that have yeast overgrowth it's called actually it's a, it's a I think it's a medical term auto brewery syndrome where you your yeast in your gut ferment the sugar from your diet and they obviously create alcohol through those pathways aldehyde alcohol uh, also or acetaldehyde I think it is yep and uh, the the certain kids will just stand there be giddy all by themselves with no stimulus and yeah it's it's usually or it's often because of an yeast overgrowth. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of interactions between different organisms, and the environment is not just outside of us. There's an environment in, inside the gut because it's technically that the tube is technically interacting with the outside world. We're like a donut, basically. The human body is. And um, so, like, I'm I'm working with. <clears throat> my trainer Tanner Shuck and so for like a lot of uh you're, you're like a big supplement guy like you recommend like taking a lot of supplements to uh to curb any kind of issue or or brain up nutritional deficiencies I love, I love supplements well, yeah so like Tanner he's more of like hey supplements are exactly that they supplement your diet they only account for two percent of uh, the nutrients that you take in, you're largely going to get most, if not all, of your nutrition from your diet. What do you What do you think about that? 
Yeah, well, okay, let, let's start breaking it down, right? Let's say your diet is four eggs. Let, let's say, you you know, you specifically. You, let's say your diet is two pounds of meat, four eggs, liver. Or let, let, let's say my diet, right? I eat liver every second or third day. Like I, I, I've eaten almost two pounds of meat a day. You know, honey and so on. So if you don't drink milk, you're not going to get enough calcium. Now, the RDA for calcium is about 1,000 milligrams for adults. And that's the RDA. That's These RDAs are not, no basis in optimal health. They're just designed so we don't kill over, work in the fields, work in the factory floor. So if you don't go out, and by the way, you need a quart of milk to approach sort of 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams of calcium. And that's, the bioavailability of calcium in milk is, I think, something like 27%, right? Really? So, yeah, yeah. But that uh, low? Yeah, but in, in, in spinach, it would be closer to 5%, right? So anyone that tells you spinach is this and that, it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of it is right, bound right. to oxidate. That's the argument it's that calcium. I always make. Yeah, it's bound to like anti-nutrients and so on, calcium oxalate, whatnot. So yeah, so that, that's, your, that's a problem with calcium. You really need to take a ton of dairy, cheese, and a lot of people don't. Uh, then magnesium, right? Okay, leafy greens, meat has some magnesium, but the RDAs are, are pretty paltry for magnesium. It could, if you double them, a lot of these RDAs, if you double them, they still would not be sufficient, like like uh, zinc, uh, vitamin E, magnesium is probably another one. So magnesium is hard to come by if you don't eat leafy greens, you know, there's a bit in milk it's and so It's kind of abundant in ground beef, isn't it? Well, it's because of all of the co abundant. collagen and stuff. It, it, well, magnesium, it's kind of, it binds to ATP. To, so you, when you, obviously you have ATP in, in meat because it's, it's, it has a lot of mitochondria it, that right. create ATP. So there will be magnesium in muscle meat. I think most nutrients are in muscle meat because they have a lot of mitochondria. Mitochondria have all these minerals, all these B vitamins. CoQ10. So muscle meat is great, bro. I think like I remember when I, back when I was just kind of unbrainwashing myself from the vegan thing. One friend, uh, I was telling her about how nutritious meat is, and she was like laughing in my face, like I'm like the biggest idiot in the world. <laughs> meat has nutrients. Meat is nutritious. You're people insane. really think it's just protein and fat, and there's nothing yeah. else in there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So 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 I think a, a ground um a pound of meat. It's like a hundred or so milligrams or uh, of of magnesium. There's no real. I don't think there's really good data on it. So that's not oh. a lot. So that's another problem. And what do you want to shoot for for magnesium in a day? I mean, the RDA is closer to for. I think for men, it's my. I can't remember three to four hundred milligrams. But the RDA is also kind of bullshit. So exactly. maybe we should be shooting for like a thousand or more. Well, there you go. So so right now, I just mentioned calcium. If you don't do, do a lot of dairy, magnesium, if you don't do a, a lot of dairy. Next, vitamin E. So if you, let's say you eat high PUFA diet or a regular PUFA diet for half your life, like most people, you get the memo that PUFAs are bad. You completely stop, you know, all PUFAs, including nuts and seeds, or you're completely cutting out your vitamin, almost completely cutting out your vitamin E intake. But all those PUFAs in your body remain there for years. So... Mm you actually now 
are leaving them to be vulnerable, right? So vitamin E is another one. And I could keep going on. You know, if you don't eat a lot of, another example, if you don't eat a lot of plant foods, you're actually not going to get much manganese. Yeah, manganese is pretty much only it's predominantly found in plant foods. Then a lot of people, not us, but a lot of people that don't eat much meat because they can't handle that much sort of volume of meat. There, they could be low on zinc, right? And mm. selenium, it, de it depends on the soil your food comes from. So s certain soils are very low in selenium; others are very high. So you know, once you keep Once you sort of keep iterating through the different nutrients and what people eat in a day, I'll tell you another example. If you, if you, if anyone listening are interested, you know, download the Chronometer C R O N Chronometer app. Put in what you eat in a day, and I think many people will be like, "Oh crap!" You, you know, a lot of people are not even meeting the R. Now here's the thing: a lot of people aren't meeting the RDAs. Never mind exceeding them. So for some, some of these, it could be double what you need. So like guys like Tanner, by the exactly way, exactly how it sounds, chronometer. Yeah, yeah, C R O N, okay. not C H, but C R. So Tanner, by the way, I really like Tanner. He's a very cool guy, genuine guy, no BS. I I was I was watching his channel over Christmas. Tyler, who? No, uh, Tanner. Tanner. He's a cool guy. Oh, Tanner. Okay. But here's here's what I've noticed: a lot of guys, what they do is they project. So you okay, Saladino. When he was keto, everybody should be doing keto. Now he's eating fruits uh, and honey. Everybody, so he like this is I, I think. And Tanner, he eats really well, trains really hard. He thinks everybody needs to do that, right? But not not everybody can eat like him or has the uh, ability to train that hard. And four thousand so, calories a day. I'm like, bro, I don't know if I can stomach that day after day. Exactly. So I think what my biggest lesson has been over the last several years the last few years is everybody's needs are different for that specific time and then let's say someone has some serious you know thyroid problems or whatever what they need now and what they need in six months and then 12 months will be completely different completely different supplements so it's not like i'm using these supplements constantly we use them to get somebody out of a metabolic hole then you know we we layer in another set let's say to boost detoxification or something with to address a gut issue then we kind of we keep removing things here's another just to sorry to add one more example vitamin k bro vitamin k2 is very hard to come by in the diet even if you're a, a ton of dairy you're still going to get very little so the best source of that is natto which is fermented soy garbage and i, I think we all agree We, that, that's not how we want to get our vitamin K, you know? Dr. Peter McCullough recommends uh, natto kinase. I don't know if it's if natto and natto kinase are the same thing, no. but that's what he recommends for his uh, base spike detox protocol for no, COVID. No, natto is, um, is just fermented soybean, whatever. Right. Whereas natto kinase is an, an enzyme of some kind. Gotcha. But I mean, is natto kinase, may, maybe you don't know, but uh, is natto kinase in natto? Like oh, yeah, yeah. So natto is produced by fermentation, by adding the bacterium Bacillus subtilis, which also produces the enzyme natto kinase. Mm. Right. So mm, interesting. I, I, I don't know. I don't know much about it. I do use digestive enzymes, but just regular ones with some clients. What about... Uh... 
I've been hearing about this seed probiotic, prebiotic, whatever it is. Do you know anything about that? Seeds? Or you mean soil-based? Well, it's, um, no, there's this guy, Thomas DeLauer. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, he's recommending this prebiotic, probiotic. Again, I can't remember which it is, or maybe it's both. But he said it's the only, it's the only one that he trusts. He thinks that most of them are bullshit. It seems so like really popular right now. Uh, probiotic and prebiotic, which they call symbiotic. Which, to be honest with you, I I think these these prebiotics are bullshit, bro. I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I had a, I was talking to a client the other day, and she showed me. Oh, check out! I got this from X Y Z company. What do you think of it? I'm like, you know, see if you can like return it. Tell them it's not working out for me, and see if you can get your money back. <laughs> because prebiotics. Wow. Here's the thing about, and I'm gonna talk about this in my book, which, by the way, my book I I submitted it to Amazon yesterday morning, so I'm just waiting for it to get. For it oh to yeah, get it's finished. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's it's finished. I'll let you know. It should be up tomorrow, the next day. I'll, I'll send you the link. Nice. Yeah, the, uh, I want to do one final pass through just to kind of change half a percent of rep- repetitive words here and there, just a tiny polish that nobody would notice except me. But anyway, in the in the book, I talk about why fiber is not such a good idea. So inulin, they talk about these prebiotics. What is what is it? Inulin, for example, or phosphructo-oligosaccharides, that's indigestible fiber, plant material, that we cannot digest. So the, the bacteria in our gut ferment it. And here's the problem. A lot of us have an overgrowth of certain bacteria called gram-negative bacteria that when they when they increase their populations by fermenting and eating this fiber, when they die... They spill their 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 whole sort of cell membranes, you know, ruptures, and it's built. That cell membrane is built out of lipopolysaccharide particles, which are also known as endotoxin. And endotoxin, it increases in intestinal permeability, and then certain cells in the bloodstream recognize it. And when they recognize it, it it, it attaches to their receptor, TLR receptor. And when they when they sense it, they perceive the body is under attack, so they create a strong inflammatory cascade. So when you're adding these, <clears throat> you're adding these fiber starches and prebiotics, and you don't know if you have an overgrowth of gram-negative bacteria, you are just creating a more inflammatory potential in the body, which is really, um, you know, like I talk about in my, in my book. It's one of the ways we age is like this sort of low-grade chronic inflammation is one of the dr- biggest drivers of aging and disease. Really interesting. <clears throat> I used to do like a lot of gut health kind of studying, especially like listening to Chris Cresser's podcast. And he would talk about like the potato diet where you would you cook a potato and you let it cool and then you cook it yeah. again and let it cool and develops all of this uh, uh, resistant starch. starch. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're saying, well, and also green bananas, like non-ripe yet bananas also are really good for that. So you're saying that if you are over consuming those foods, it could actually lead to like SIBO and leaky gut kind of thing. Maybe it it can definitely fuel the fire. If, For example, okay, 
for example, this uh, stool test that we run on some of my clients, you, you, there are certain bacteria, there's a section of bacteria where they're called, so, some of them are called potential autoimmune triggers, others are called quote-unquote commensals or opportunistic. So they only become, they only overgrow when there's like a per perturbation of the commensal microbiota or if there's a pathogen or some other insult to the gut. And they're not a problem if, if their numbers are generally kept in check. But if they overgrow, and I actually saw it on one client's uh, son, we, we ran the, the test a month or so ago, and he had one of these gram-negative bacteria. It was overgrown by a factor of four. So let's say instead of a thousand, you know, you add four zeros on, on, on that, you know. So it, instead of a thousand per unit of stool, there was like a million of them. So massive overgrowth, you know. Mm. So that explained a lot of the the symptoms, you know. So that you really have to be very careful with these things. And what really pisses me off is when you look at a lot of the mainstream health advice, longevity advice, it's just, bro. You know Peter Atia? Yeah, of course. I, he recommends statins. And so a, a few of my buddies are big Peter Atia fans. And they're like, oh. bro, we're getting, get, we're going to get on statins. I'm like, what's oh. your cholesterol level? They're like 220. I'm like, that's perfectly healthy. That is perfect. Uh, or dude. like maybe even a little bit higher, we would be even more optimal. Yeah. But I'm like, to get on statins at 220, I'm like, that's insane. Insane, dude. And and the other thing, I I um I, I heard him on a podcast recently i don't i used to listen to him more but he told um on you know derek plates plates more plates more dates yep so he told him that he stopped fasting because he did some um dexas dexas scans and he saw that his lean mass had decreased from fasting and his fat mass has increased so he went wow. from 9 to 14 percent uh, body fat so he said I don't want to be that phenotype so I, he so he stopped doing his fast so I'm thinking to myself bro what about the literal literal millions of people whom you influenced you know what I mean because right. he's also a low carb advocate and I heard what he eats like he will wake up and I, I like the guy he's very smart I really like I, I used to really enjoy his podcast a lot. I don't have time because his episodes are so long. I don't have time to listen to it. But I really like him. He's great, very articulate, really cool guy. But we we are harming people. We could potentially be harming people with our advice. And then he's, you know, so he wakes up. He, the, the guy's 50. He wakes up. He's doing fasted cardio. Um, you know, he he's, eats whatever intermittent fasting regime he does cold plunges he eats low carb he skips dinner or eats super early dinner and i'm thinking to myself well you can do that but a lot of people your age you're gonna completely destroy their health if if, if they are influenced by you that way you know so it's kind mm. of a bit of a travesty how much terrible advice experts like mds are 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 giving I wonder what you think about this. I'm having trouble remember remembering the gentleman's name, but he recommends what he calls like a feast famine cycle. So for Monday through Friday, you eat normally like maintenance calories. And then on Saturday, you fast. On Sunday, you feast kind of thing. And yeah. 
what what do you think about that just just off of that description i think it's crazy (laughs) because anytime you fat like so this is something else i i talk about in the book you just have to i think what we have to teach people just the very basic physiology of how do we survive periods without food and once people understand the very basic mechanisms no big no real big words are needed here once you understand the basic mechanisms you can really tell whether something is good for you for example let's say you you're you 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 stop eating it's 8 p.m you stop eating that was your last meal by 12 o'clock midnight roughly maybe at that point you know your your glucagon is starting to to come up, you're using more liver glycogen. And then as you're over the hours while you sleep, the liver glycogen starts to get depleted. And then other hormones will start to go up, like growth hormone, cortisol, adrenaline. They start going up. And what they do is a lot, what they do is they stimulate gluconeogenesis, they stimulate lipolysis, so breaking down fatty tissue. So the fats can be used, so the glycerol backbone can be turned into glucose. So you wake up in the morning. If you don't stop that fast, you are continuing to run on stress hormones. So let's say you get up, go for a walk, maybe put in a workout. That entire time, your brain, central nervous system, your muscles had to use glucose. So if that glucose was not coming from the diet, it was coming from breaking down your lean tissue, which can include organs, joints, skin, bone, and of course, muscle. And then some some fat was also used. It wasn't only glucose, but people think that when you fast, you're using mostly fat. It's not really, that's not the case. Mm. Like the first two days of a fast, roughly, depending on activity levels, you're using mostly glucose. You know, it'll take like three days to start getting into ketosis. So... During that time, a lot of, like, if you look at, um, there was another study I talked about in the book, a 10-day fast, the guys lost 6 kilograms, so close to 15 pounds, and um, 40% of that 6 kilograms was lean tissue, right? So mm. fasting, and, that they, and they were given uh, 250 calories of uh, juices and broth and honey, so it could have been another kilogram lost, I did the calculations. So I think when you understand that when you don't eat, some fat is being used, but a lot of that glucose that, because the the brain, if you're not in ketosis, the brain needs glucose, something like 120 grams a day. And then the blood cells need 30 grams a day. And then movement like gym, running, whatever else, fast walking, that needs glucose. So if you, I think if you're not, like you have to be really small, like let's say even like a hundred pound woman, a hundred and ten pound woman, I think if she's not even, uh, at I least, know one of those. Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> wife, my wife is about that as well. And I tell her, you if you don't take a couple hundred grams of carbs into into your body throughout the day, you are making up that deficit through increased stress hormones and breaking lean tissue down. And I think mm. once people understand that, they're like, "Whoa, I don't want that to happen," because it also then signals. It creates this famine sort of environment 
and then the body becomes more thrifty and slows down the metabolism. I think there's and, probably over like 100 grams, maybe like 120 grams of carbs, maybe even more in this bro, drink that I make every day. Um, it's It's like 16 ounces of milk, 10 to 12 ounces of coffee concentrate, and uh, <laughs> like four ounces of maple syrup. Oh, so, bro, you, you're, you're going to bring a tear to my eye, baby. <laughs> you inspired it. You inspired oh, it man, for that's sure. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is probably maybe nice. like 120 grams of carbs just in that drink, and then I'll have uh, you know some fruits and uh, and Greek yogurt with fruit in it as well throughout the nice. day. So nice. definitely probably touching like probably over two hundred now. That's awesome, man. I mean, but uh, all- I, I was gonna say I I used to I used to do a lot of fasting and I used to work for FedEx. So mm-hmm. um, I would frequently check how many steps and miles that I did every day, and every day was between eight to twelve miles, depending on how many packages I had wow. to deliver. Well, I thought that it would be a good idea to do my five-day fast from Monday to Friday while I'm working at FedEx, you know, running eight to 12 miles a day. So I did a five-day fast, only drinking mineral water, no juices, no bone broth, nothing but mineral water for five days. And (laughs) I was, dude, I was so lightheaded. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't even sleep at night. I was just... But I just I just forced myself to go through it, and I lost like sixteen pounds Jesus in five Christ. days because I was obviously you know running eight to twelve miles every day and not eating anything. And could you think like I was driving around how, how in a twenty six foot box truck? <laughs> how old were you? I was uh, twenty, twenty or twenty one years old. Well, you see, at that age, see if you if you try to do this now. Or if you're my age, or especially if you're like over 45, if you try to do that, your body will, you you cannot override your body's sort of safety. When we're young, we can. I think even, even, even around up to 35, we can still do it. But there comes a time where you're like, you're just like, no, screw this, man. Screw this. I'm not doing this. Right. I'm going to have a sandwich. <laughs> and so you know that kind of leads me into what i wanted to talk to you about is i watch this guy mike mutzel from high intensity health are you familiar with him vaguely familiar yeah okay i i mean i think he has wonderful content on youtube maybe you want to check him out sometime but uh he was talking about like you probably want to work out in a in a fed state. And so like, I usually go to the gym and I've had like, like I take a couple gulps of honey and, uh, you know, I have like an electrolyte mix that I drink and then like I'm at the gym. But what I'm finding is I'll do my main compound lift, like squats, deadlifts, bench, or shoulder press. I'll do my main compound lift. And after the last set, I just feel completely and utterly drained. Like I, I can't even lift another weight. Like I'm just like spent. As opposed and I'm to if like, you go, if you go fasted, is that what you're saying? Well, with, with, you know, a couple ounces of honey and some electrolytes in me, like that's what I'm working no, no, on. So, so the question is, would you, would you feel like that? Would you feel better if you didn't take it, the, the honey and the electrolytes or or are you comparing it to like a full meal? 
what's kind of what were you, what kind of performance were you comparing it to and fed state were you comparing it to i i mean i don't know i feel like this is a relatively new phenomenon that i've been going through and like i said i i do my main compound lift like five sets and then i'm like totally spent like just brain yeah. fog no energy to like keep on going through the workout yeah. And I'm just like, should I just go 100% fasted or should I just like eat two pieces of fruit along with the honey? Like, do I just need more carbs going well, into the workout? What? Yeah, I, I would say that first. But because at what do you have the carbs and then immediately start lifting? Or at what point do you have them before you start lifting? It's probably like 45 minutes after I have the honey and... Then, then like 45 minutes later, it takes me like that's 15 first, minutes to get to the That's gym. your first meal of the day, right? Or whatever. Correct. You that. If you want to yeah. count like two tablespoons of honey yeah. as, as a meal. Bro, come on, dude. Come on. So you're, you're like, <laughs> well, you're I work or... out at like six in the morning because, you know, I, I got to get to work and I got a lot of things to do here. So I work out like six in the morning and to like eat a meal before going to the gym that early is. I mean, there's there's also downsides to that too. Shouldn't you eat like while the sun is up? Is the general kind of consensus? I think so. Here's here's the way I see it, right? So your liver, if it let's say it can hold around a hundred grams of carbs, glycogen. So if you take a couple of tablespoons of honey, that's like thirty thirty five grams, you know, of 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 carbs. So you have you, you that can't even probably top up your liver. Right, so what's very likely happening? Keep in mind, your let's say you wake up six, and then by eight o'clock is when you start to feel that sort of spent feeling. That I, what that those are symptoms of glycopenia or neuroglycopenia, which is a shortage of of glucose in the brain. So if you feel woozy, lightheaded, irritable, that's a very so it's clear that your blood sugar is falling there so what what's probably happening is that you're topping up some you're you're adding some glycogen to the liver then you once you start lifting you know you do some some warm ups some main sets what that does is it it will it will take the glucose out of the blood so then the the liver will have to kick in start sending more glucose to the blood because there's nothing coming from the intestine well, I mean, there's tiny amount, but it's very likely already been, you know, digested and in, it's in the liver, whatever aspect of it is in the liver because some, some went to the brain, the nervous system. So you are literally at that point, again, running on stress hormones. Even though you you had some fuel, it was nowhere near enough of the fuel you need. And I'll tell you, like, you probably, if you take a juice like this, right? This is organic grape. A liter of this is about you. This might, you know, you might fall off your chair. 160 grams. So I don't know, dude. Just for one week or two weeks, try this. Buy like one one liter of juice. Have a fifth of it when you wake up, and then every half an hour have like another fifth. So the first two hours, you you take this in. I swear to God, dude, especially if you take it with some creatine, maybe some beta, beta alanine in the morning before on your way to the gym, dude, you're going to crush it so much better. 
and then you're not going to be tired after that, you know? Just crush a bunch of fruit juice on the way to the gym. Like, I mean, like half of that will just go to top up your liver. A bunch of that will continue to be used for your brain nervous system and then your muscles will soak that up. Like, mm. if, I, I don't I don't understand what, what people are afraid. If you if you drink a bunch of juice, it it will not, especially in the morning, there's no, ch- like zero, zero percent of that is going to get stored as fat. Like zero percent. I don't understand why people are so, like, I mean, I understand why we're so carb phobic because of all the propaganda. Yeah. But man, I mean, for I how long was that going on? I mean, that was yeah. from like 2015 to tw- like the early 2020s, where it was like, "Hey, carbs are the fucking devil." There, yeah. who uh, Gary Taubes wrote that book uh, about the, the case against sugar, sugar good yeah. calories, bad calories. Uh huh. Why we get fat? And and again, like I don't know what you think about Joe Rogan. I've come to think that he's like kind of disinfo agent. I don't know how like controlled opposition stuff like really works. But I mean, who was the main purveyor of all of that low carb dieting stuff? It was fucking Rogan. He had on all of these low carb guys on his show, and no one was really kind of combating that. It was, I mean, even he had on uh, this this guy who runs marathons and shit on low carb, which I don't even know how it was possible. But yeah. there, he had on so many guests like that. And back when I started driving for FedEx, I was just like listening to Rogan. It was my first foray into podcasts. And so I heard all of these low carb keto kind of folks. And I was just like, OK, like that's yeah. that's the way. Yeah, yeah. I was the same dude back in like 2018. That's exactly. I started listening to to Ben Greenfield, Dave Asprey. Yeah, you know, and I was like, oh, this Dave Asprey looks like shit. Well, but he, and he's uh, on like eighty supplement pills no, a day more, or some shit. More. Oh, he's like hundred plus. But here's the thing, wow. Dave. I remember really well that he was saying at the time how little he slept. He, I think he said he he averaged wow. an hour or sorry, he averaged six hours sleep. So that means some days he was sleeping like four. I know I'm sure guys like that with all the running companies and being, you know, like kicking ass that they think they're fucking indestructible. And I'll tell you, du- during mm. the writing of my book, man, the amount of new tropics I took, some days I would wake up like I'd sleep like four hours and I could go on all day. And, and it wasn't just caffeine. The acetylcholine, the alpha GPC, all the other nootropics, bro. Like I was stacking on stacking on stacking, and you think you're like, oh my god. And then I looked at myself in the mirror some days with these black, not black bags, but you know the dark circles around the eyes. Right. Like, Crap, man. I need to take it easy. This book is gonna. I I wanted to get it done fast, but um, and did so. It's 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 this hunger to get more into your day. It's. I, I really think it's they, they these guys are in, influencing us, you know. So I kind of I think we're all impressionable, especially when you're listening to podcasts for hours and hours every week. It's right drilling you right in the ear, you know. And some of us are going to bed with the with the earphones and shit. So I think I think I'm trying to be an influence. I know my my obviously my audience is tiny compared to those guys. I'm trying to be an influence for positive not just health diet habits, but just just all the other ancillary stuff that we it's like the the, the gym stuff, right? Let, let me let me let's take it a step back. Instead of trying to optimize your workout, let's 
let's figure out why do you have to go so heavy first thing in the morning? That that's you know what I mean. That is. I was literally that, deadlifting three seventy five for six reps at like seven o'clock this morning. Yeah. So 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 here's the thing. What is the reason for that? Well, I'm with I'm working with Tanner, and this is the program that he's got me on, and I have gotten substantially stronger. But I I'll agree with you. I have thought recently about uh, you know maybe switching to more functional stuff. I got this nagging knee issue. I think I was squatting like 365 and I may have gone like too deep on a squat or something. And now I just have like, there's definitely something structurally wrong with my knee, but I can squat through it as long as, (laughs) I mean, you're probably just shaking your head. Listen to this. I can squat through the pain as long as I have like one of those knee wraps on. So I can go through it, but there's definitely something structurally wrong with my knee and I know it needs a break, but I don't want to take too much time off because I don't want to lose too much muscle mass and strength. So uh, I kind of just like am going through it (laughs) at the moment, (laughs) but I've thought that like maybe I should implement some more functional style training just to, just to give my joints a break and and make my joints stronger and all these kinds of things. Like I've had shoulder issues for years. Like I don't, I think it was like all of the benching that I did in high school, but every time I do this, you can hear a loud audible crack. Dude. Yeah. I need to to do some functional shit. (laughs) Bro, bro, my chiro, I went to my chiropractor. One of my, my left shoulder was doing that. I think it's like the Mm. scapula. When you move the scapula, it's some sort of rubs against the rib cage. Dude, in one session, he didn't even touch me. He just showed me, go like, okay, the, the right one does it right. So do that. Now mimic the same thing with your left hand. So he taught me like literally just shoulder circles, but you start with your good one, your good side. And then we were we went camping after that with my wife. And that night, that evening after we set up the freaking tent, I did that. And then the, the next day it went away. So you probably want like some, some body work, specialists like um to to at least i think at least focus on on like getting the the weak the weak links looked at right because Mm -hmm. this is what my chiropractor my chiropractor worked with olympians by the way he's he's from um california he said that this is the biggest mistake people make and not in your case because you're probably quite advanced but instead of like a, a newbie going to the gym, instead of doing compound lifts, we should be actually do, working on the hinges and, and getting all the all the weak links ready. And then, you know, you can progress onto something like loaded compounds and stuff like that. But dude, yeah, no, you, you, you're crazy. When I was 30, when I was training for my Thai boxing fight, bro, I was kicking so hard, the just the kind of the, the regular, the, the, the body kicks. I was kicking so hard and then, not going back to the office to work, not cooling down or stretching. So I literally, literally basically dislocated my my femur ball joint out of the hip socket. And I, wow. I lived like, dude, I lived like that for months, dude. And I was, I'd be waking up at night in pain and I couldn't, I couldn't sleep on one side because obviously there was all the pressure. So my, right. my wife... <clears throat> My wife is an ex-professional ballet, ballet dancer, so she had a dislocated sort of 
discs in her spine. So somebody got her Conor McGregor's physical therapist's contact. She started going to him. So it took me months and months later to, to finally like realize, oh crap, this guy helped you. Maybe he can help me. So I was living like that for months, maybe six to eight months. So a lot of suffering. You know what I mean? This is what we do when we're yeah. young, especially dudes. We're so, it's like we're so wrapped up in like whatever we're trying to accomplish. And then when I think about it now, all that training, all that, the weight loss for the way in, all that stuff, all I was doing is aging myself and shortening my life. Literally. That's all I have to fucking show for it. And a medal, mm. a participation medal that I got for losing the fight. So do you think that there's just like a threshold? Like I've always kind of thought like if I'm 175 and I'm like squatting 425, I mean, that's all I fucking want. I mean, if if like 425 at 175 seems like a badass thing to do yeah but uh you know i don't have aspirations of squatting like 700 pounds or some shit like that <laughs> i hope not would you say that you that even strength training to that degree like maybe over 300 pounds what, what would you say is, is there a threshold that you really shouldn't go past because then you're just starting to do joint damage yeah man like i look unless you need it for your job like you're an athlete you know, I I was always like, how the hell can soccer players get paid like hundred like a hundred thousand a week? That's ridiculous. But I realize now that they're not getting paid enough because they're getting literally all that training that they're doing. They're literally right. getting paid to be gladiators in the circus for us, and they're literally shortening their lives doing that. They're they're robbing themselves of their lifespan and health span. Have you seen Ronnie Coleman now? No, but I can imagine he's not doing too great. Dude, he's like, you know those double like arm things? Like they kind of like one, it wraps around your wrist and then you have the little handle and it, you have like both of them. That's yeah. what he's got. He's like wheelchair bound and he's oh. got the little like walker thing. This was this was like the pinnacle of bodybuilding for eight years. He won like eight Mr. Olympias in yeah. a row. Now he's like utterly crippled. Oh, my God. And, and it's like the glory, the, what, what you do for glory. I mean, he yeah, completely yeah. destroyed his body for the rest of his life. Yeah, and the Cali Muscle, he had a heart attack or something like that. Right. Saw that? Yeah. And then there was that uh Joe Joe Stetics. He was yeah, like this yeah. freak. 30. Yeah, 30, 30 years bro. old. Yeah. It's so sad, bro. And uh, here's I the thing. I know a lot of people blamed it on the vaccine, especially with the Joe Stetics guy, but Tanner made a video. He's like he's like, "Yeah, you know, it's probably not the vaccine. It's probably the fucking steroids because they also make your blood super yeah. viscous." So Yeah, I mean, they do so many different things. Right. Here's the, here's the way I, I I tell my clients, right? Now obviously in your case, it would it's slightly different, but cuz I work with a lot of my 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 clients are in a somewhat precarious state of health, so we can't even if we wanted to, we can't go all out but here's what i say now roughly if you are super if you were always lean or if you were always strong like since you were a kid or you were always super fit like you were running long distances when you were like 12 it wasn't a problem so if you're always super fit super strong or super lean perfectly fine 
But if you weren't and you got your, let's say you were, you know, you lost, had to lose 50 pounds to get lean or you have to like go to the gym four times a week for four years to get super strong uh, or like train a bunch, like 40 miles a week so you can do a marathon. If you do those things to get to those lean, strong or what the hell was the other one? Lean, strong, fit. Yeah. The reason you became one of those things is because you put yourself through a tremendous amount of stress, right? So mm. in your case, you're, you're, you're clearly strong to begin with. You can, it's probably okay for you to, to double down on that if you, if you have aspirations to, to increase your strength. But I, I really don't think unless you're like uh, going to get paid for it or there's actual clout or like powerlifting competition. I, if it was me, not when I was your age, I wouldn't have done it because I, I participated in a, in a Thai boxing fight when I was 30. But now, some years later, I think I would, I would just go to the gym, not, not stress yourself too much, bro. You don't want to have doms. You, know, you don't want to run too much. You don't want to diet too much. Because all of these things, they put unnecessary stress. And the reason it's unnecessary is because, unless again, unless you're getting paid for it, then it's most of us are doing it because of some type of societal standard, because of social engineering, because of Instagram. Our influencers are like that. Ben Greenfield is like he's 40 whatever, 45 or whatever, super shredded, 8% body fat. Um, and then like, but then the other guys, like all the programmers and the entrepreneurial types, then they're working 80 hours a week because Elon Musk apparently does. Even, never mind the fact the guys are a whole theater show. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell John I, th- I said that. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we were actually just joking about Elon's like uh, build the other day. It, it, it is fascinating because I, I haven't seen a human body that, that looks like that with a <laughs> wide chest. And I don't even know how, how you <laughs> describe it, but yeah. That's some kind of dad bot, I guess. Right. But yeah, so I, I like I really think all of these things, bro, the reason they're so big, the reason why YouTube and Instagram, all of these guys that are on steroids, the fake natties and all that stuff and the you know, the ones that are, aren't lying, the reason they're not being sort of throttled, they're they want to social engineer us to exhaust ourselves faster, die faster. Go to the gym speed up your demise age yourself faster weak do fasting weaken yourself do low carb do plant-based do whatever else weaken your body become more prone to disease Mm. i I really think most of these things that become big i think bro they are mostly for the most part designed to just make us weaker so i I really don't think adding extra stress is necessary Right. Um, it, it, I guess it's the the always like wanting to get better kind of thing. Yeah. Like you yeah. just want to get better every single day. And so, you know, when I see like my deadlift, I think when I started, my max was like 315 with Tanner. And now uh, I did like 395 by eight, maybe like a month ago. And so it's just like, shit, it's 
quite a substantial jump. Maybe it was actually 365, I think it started with. But still, like such a substantial jump to go from 365 for one to 395 for yeah. for eight. And so it's that constant progress when you see it like that and you go back and you look and it's just like, fuck, yeah, I got better and I just How many- went every <clears throat> single day. So I think that's like the overall driving factor. And I, the mental game that I play with myself is – if I were to stop like lifting that heavy and stop progressing on my deadlift, my bench or my squat, then, um, you know, I'm, I'm regressing, which is something so that, how uh, many surgeries has Tanner had? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Like 12 on his knee, both knees. Mm-hmm. And how many yeah. total? <sighs> yeah. Dozens and dozens. 16. I think like he said, 16. Yeah. So there you go, bro. You know. Right, that's true. But but at least what he's doing here it's his job. He was a CrossFit competitor. He was now he has a fitness channel and so and so it, you know, that's his job. So he, you can always get better. Uh, certain things you know, there's there's like a dimin- the law of diminishing returns, right? Certain right. things you can get good enough, but the thing is what's good enough? You kind of have to set those sort of uh, boundaries but you can always expand laterally you don't have to like because like dude like if you look at a power lifter like without all that gear and all those wraps and all those things like they would just they're gonna them. bust something yeah. Yeah, yeah so so i think if you if you can i i think where just this is just my opinion now i'm not telling you what to do but if you're if your deadlift is let's say 390 or four 400 or whatever you know Maybe you want to work on your vertical jump, right? Maybe you want to get that up 10 inches. I don't even know if that's possible. But because, you know, if you just do box jumps, that's super high intensity, but very little actual impact because you step down from the box. Well, what but, about Ben Patrick? Are you familiar with the knees over toes guy, Ben Patrick? I've heard of him and I, I don't I haven't watched his stuff. He's got a lot of really interesting stuff. Basically, he had like horrible, terrible chronic knee issues. And so he heard about like walking backwards, like ancient Chinese medicine. They said, if you had bad knees, you walk backwards. And so wow. he started like walking backwards up a hill and then uh, like putting stress on your knees by having your toes, your your knees over your toes, you're actually like putting stress on the knee and like forcing it to uh, to grow and repair and all these yeah. kinds of things. So then he started doing sledded backwards blocks and like all of this kind of wow. stuff. And he increased it. He increased his vertical by maybe a foot or so. Now he can <laughs> dunk a basketball as a random white guy. <laughs> yeah, That's it's crazy, insane. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I yeah I, I that was actually um you know part of the health summit that I, I recommended to mm. in, in several interviews I'm like hey if you have knee problems just do like start with nice. some backwards walking and look into Ben Patrick he reversed awesome. all of his chronic knee issues with that yeah but but yeah you, know you, you said vertical jump so my yeah, mind yeah, yeah, immediately yeah. went that's, to that's Ben really Patrick cool. that's really cool that, that, that's what I'm saying you can always you can always just try to you know, become proficient at other things. You know what I mean? It doesn't even, I don't know. Like it depends on the interests we have. Like I've always had so many varied interests. Like one month it's one thing and the next month it might be like growing 
cactuses or whatever else. And so I don't know. Is dude, that like, what you're doing in Portugal? You're I, I have a, the guy that married us. He's like a kind of like a shaman. He's from Peru. He's a, not a shaman, but he's a wachumero, wachuma. So they gave us a little San Pedro cactus. So I've been growing mm. that sucker for the last two and a half years. So I, I did a cutting and then I've planted him. So now I have like several pots. So I'm going to start a San Pedro nursery at some point. <laughs> nice. Do you know what a curandera is? It's that sort of thing. Yes, yeah, very similar. Curandero. Okay, to, yeah. We, we have uh, someone on our team that uh, is a curandera. That's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, I, I kind of know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's awesome, bro. Yeah. Yeah. But th- 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 we're just like, I don't know, bro. I think maybe having having a kid slows you down or something. I just now, to be honest with you, I do little more than just body weight exercise and walking. I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like um, I need to do anything more than that. You know what I mean? Well, I, you know, I, I have heard through my research that there's like some of the guys are like, Hey, you don't need to be doing strength training like five, six days a week. No, but it still is important to give your body that stimulus maybe one or two days a week just yeah. to like, but again, like you, you've kind of said, cause I brought up in the, I brought up the point that, you know, our ancestors regularly fasted, you know, there wasn't always food, especially in the winter kind of thing. And you're just like, yeah, but what is natural is not always optimal. So it's like, well, do we really need that hormetic stress of getting under like a 300 pound squat or can, or just like walking lunges and body weight squats enough? Yeah. I think hormetic, I don't think a, a massive squat like that counts as hormetic. That's just the proper stress. Hormesis is supposed mm. to be something like if you eat turmeric and some other whatever compounds, curcumin or whatever else, the they they get absorbed. In the, so usually, a lot of these things are just spat back out. <laughs> That's why if you eat plant based, your poops are the size of an elephant, mm. because the body doesn't want most of that stuff. It extracts what it can. The rest. So these things whatever tiny amount of them, these polyphenols get into the body, that causes an upregulation of certain detoxification enzymes. So it's a minor stress. So I think that's hormesis. And I think we've taken it way too, way too far with, because of pretty extreme guys out there on Instagram and YouTube, you know, hormetic could be, you know, the, just do, do pull-ups to failure. Right. Let's say yeah. for, for, for for one person it could be two, for another it could be ten. If you do that, I think if you do that once a week, it's more than enough to maintain. Because I think we also have to remember that the there's a there's diminishing returns on on building muscle for it in terms of longevity. I try to kind of look at things through through the longevity lens. So there's a certain point where adding more muscle on your frame becomes a bit of a liability, and then other because it's expensive tissue, the body may have to downregulate other processes or functions in order to to maintain. If you keep giving it the stimulus, that's why guys that get off the juice or stop training very hard, they're not providing the stimulus or or kind of an anabolic aid, so that the the body downsizes naturally because 
that tissue is way too expensive to main- yeah. uh, maintain. So the only reason they maintain it is because they continue applying a lot of stress to the body. Like someone like Tanner, he looks amazing, but he's he is putting a lot of stress on his body day in, day out, right? And there, there, there is a metabolic cost to that, right? So I, I really think it has to be somewhere between a couch potato and someone like Tanner. It has to be somewhere in the middle where you're doing mm. walking, lifting, just a lot of regular activity, walking the up and down hills, like, you know, doing groceries, cleaning the house, gardening, whatever. But I don't think, I don't even think, bro, four or five times a week is necessary in the gym. Really? Yeah. Uh, huh. Unless you want to really like, unless you have a goal to compete in something, unless you like a photo shoot, unless you really want to have that that body. If I'm talking about like someone that like I, I'm married already, have a kid, kind of don't really, don't really have any reason to impress anybody. So maybe, of course, ten years ago it was a whole different story. I'm just saying, for again from the from the longevity angle. Once a couple of times a week, some 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 weights, walking every day, you know, pull-ups, push-ups, squats, the occasional sprint, the occasional jump. When you feel really good, when your joints aren't achy and shit, like you feel like you're bursting with energy, totally fine, man. Or the occasional cold exposure, like here in the, it's winter here, but I, some some days, I just walk with my in my shorts. And all the people, because they're all Portuguese here, they're like, they have, I'm always like two, three layers more bare than, <laughs> than all my neighbors here. So they're yeah. like, fuck is wrong with this guy? You know? <laughs> so Walking I don't around in shorts. <laughs> 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 I, I, again, from the, that's from the lens of longevity. If you really want to progress, but I, I, I always like, I like to ask people, like I had one client in her 60s doing jogging, doing weights. I'm like, how long did you spend in the gym the other day? Two hours. I'm like, why? Why? Mm. And then when you go back to why, and then you you start figuring out some things, and, and then it's like, okay, maybe I don't need to do this. You know? Right. I just, I think, uh, I think a lot about, like, there's, there's these, like, cultures in Africa that are largely like uh, removed from modern like Western society. And they have some like 80 or 90 year olds that can still like climb trees and pick fruit and shit. And, you know, I, I want to be that kind of 90 year old, you know? Yeah. So it probably, honestly, to your point, it probably, honestly, that person probably never did a, 425 pound deadlift in their entire life. No. And uh, they're still scaling trees completely healthy, able to do like a pretty strenuous, like physical feat. Climbing a tree is like no like laughing matter. Mm-hmm. That's that that's quite a feat. And and to be doing that at 80 or 90 years old is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I agree. We we definitely want to do that, but I really think that the stimulus for the body to maintain that kind of strength is very, it's much lower, much lower than, because if you look at, if you look at, uh, just taking a, a an untrained person as an example, I think even two, maybe four, four or five pull-ups or eight, eight reps of pull-ups 
a week would be sufficient to eight reps of pull-ups a week. I mean, yeah, for, at least in the first while would probably be enough stimulus for them to increase to increase strength. Let's say you take you take a woman detrained, never trained. If over the course of one week, let's say today she does four, and then four days later she does another four, one by one, let's say, that should be sufficient stimulus for her to increase in strength. So let's say she does that, I don't know, two, three months, and then you start adding a rep, and then, I, I don't know, just suck, sucking out of my thumb. By the end of the year, let's say she can do, she's doing 12, 30 pull-ups a week and she can do six consecutive pull-ups, right? Yeah. It will take probably two sets of her max per week to maintain that now for the next five years, let's say. I, I know I'm, I'm just kind of like giving very rough out of my ass examples, but the the, the stimulus required to maintain strength is nowhere near that for, for to increase strength or, and much more, much less so than for hypertrophy. You know, you need a lot of, a lot of sets, a lot of volume for hypertrophy. Which, by the way, mm. a lot of that um, eccentric portion of the lifts, there's very other than hypertrophy, there's very little value. In fact, there's more detriment because it, it, all that damage, all that inflammation it causes. Yes, the, the body's response to it is to build tissue, and it be, looks bigger and might look look nicer, but it's actually counterproductive right so if you if you're really training for longevity let's say you want to let's say you're doing pull-ups you want to just pull, pull yourself up and then maybe jump down or f figure out a way to to not lower yourself because you know some guys they do these you know one up three down let's say for biceps or whatever that will the make eccentric your, lifts yeah, that will make yep. your biceps bigger, but that's really it's it's detrimental in terms of the inflammation, the damage, the energy cost to repair, the nutrient cost. So other than it looking bigger, it's it's there's little other value. It's mostly detriment from the eccentric portion of these lifts. Mm. But that's yeah. what causes the the adaptation response, no? Yeah, but the, the adaptation is is a symptom of a lot of stress pu pu being put on the body that's the that's that's the part where i think these guys are younger guys are being brainwashed by guys like greg Doucet and all these other influencers that if you are very fit or if you're very jacked or both you are by default very healthy and that like i said earlier if you're like that genetically you were born you were always like that fit healthy or or very lean that's one thing but if it took you a lot of work to get there that is simply merely a symptom of all the stress that stress that you put your body through which mm. likely is you know shortening your life i always say that i hit the genetic lottery like if i were a caveman kind of thing then I think that I have like amazing genetics. I can build strength very easy and I can put on fat very easy. Yeah, yeah. Losing fat is fucking hard for me. <laughs> so that, so that is another benefit. 
<laughs> right, same, right. Bro. So it's just like, it, like if I were a caveman, I would be like fucking like King. that's the optimal genetics. But like <laughs> in the modern day, when everything's got poopas and all these other things, it's just like uh, extremely hard to try and get lean, and I I really have to work at it and be intensely committed to losing weight for yeah. it to happen. And like what you're saying is it's probably putting a lot of stress on, on my metabolism and other things. Yeah. That's why if you want, we can talk after I can help you. There's certain supplement again, the supplements, right? Not alone. Right. Well, that's, that is a good one, but um, th there are other ones where you want to basically reduce the catabolic side of the actually a lot of a lot of steroids quote unquote they're not necessarily super anabolic but they're anti-catabolic right so a lot of these guys like um trend wow. and uh some of these compounds they help you r keep muscle while on a caloric deficit coming up to a show for example and it's because these these compounds they prevent breakdown of tissue not not so much that they f facilitate the the building of tissue you know what i mean yeah so if you can block cortisol at kind of at the receptor level if you can oppose it with more compounds which by the way vitamin d is one of those sufficient vitamin d can actually do that mm. um, then you can you can maintain more muscle recover faster because then you it's it's because you know you have catabolic and anabolic stuff so you know you, the gym the cardio whatever that's catabolic the, the overnight fast that's catabolic and then you have the anabolic sort of the eating the food and the rest so when you sleep if you can keep cortisol lower you're reducing a little bit the the catabolic aspect if you can do that a few percentage points then your overall your net anabolic effect will be greater not because you added more food but because you reduce cortisol, it's mostly cortisol that you want to kind of. Well, and that was the argument for fasting, like giving your body a break from all of the anabolic kind of thing. Like you're in growth mode is how like people would talk about it. Like you're constantly like stimulating the mTOR pathway. And that's why the thought process was that uh, you're constantly stimulating the mTOR pathway. You're constantly growing in this anabolic state, eating throughout the entire day. The only time that you're having a break is the eight hours that you sleep at night because then as soon as you wake up, you're eating again. And yeah. then you're like growing, the thought process goes, that you're growing like certain kinds of cancers or other diseases because you're never giving your body a break to work on itself and, uh, and get rid of those things naturally. Yeah, I, whereas our ancestors would have that ability because they would go extended periods without eating. Yeah, I I know I've I've heard that kind of line of thinking, and <clears throat> it's like it's like the I think it was Chris Master John that was saying you will get uh, sarcopenia way sooner than you will get cancer if you do protein restriction. To increase mm. your longevity and we know that uh, sarcopenia loss of muscle mass loss of muscle strength these are among the biggest predictors of early death and right morbidity. so i i really again I, I know i don't really have evidence to back this up it's i it's my personal view that these things so caloric restriction fasting 
protein restriction to inhibit mTOR or whatever else. A lot of these things, <clears throat> they are thrown at us so to shape public opinion in order for people to engage in them so that they may become weaker and just die fucking soon mm. because that's that's what the powers that be want and on the way if we can you know sell you some procedures and drugs that will also be good oh and that's that's so last year for the greater reset last january january 2023 we invited ken barry to speak mm. which uh there's a lot of like vegans in our crowd especially like there there's two events in mexico and bastrop this was the first year where we only did one event in mexico mm -hmm. but mexico definitely leans heavy vegan and wow. so we had ken barry get on there and the first thing he's like yeah, veganism is all, is all about feeding the population slave food. <laughs> and we're just like, Love fuck that. yeah. And then the Mexico crew was so pissed because there's like, yeah. hey, come on, we're we're mostly vegan over here. Wow. But it, it he's he's absolutely right. I do think that a lot of these narratives that are put in or injected into the nutrition community are to make us fat, sick, weak, yeah. like there's a ton of pushback because now like the, the levy's kind of breaking, right? Like red meat, saturated fat, uh, eating a ton of protein. Cause that's, the, that's what I'm saying is the levy's breaking with all of these things that these things are actually really, really good for you. And you really can't eat enough protein. And, uh, now like the, all of the guys, all of the like the usual suspects, the vegans are saying, no, 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 you shouldn't be eating more than like half a gram per body weight. And and red meat actually is bad for you. Like Netflix just came out with another vegan documentary. It's like how many oh. vegan bullshit vegan <laughs> documentaries do we have to go through and debunk before like we can finally acknowledge like, yeah, meat is a health food. Yeah. And by the way, I, I really I think because the food supply has been so badly destroyed, a, a lot of the conventional red meat may be, may be less good than, obviously, the, the good high-quality stuff. So if you John have Baker of, seems to think that it's not that big of a difference. I, I know. I know. I, I, I have heard him say that, but it, it kind of it, it depends. If the meat is very lean generally a lot of the sort of the pops the persistent the persistent organic pollutants the lipophilic toxins they they tend to be sequestered in the fatty tissue so if you eat very lean meat uh, conventionally grown you're going to definitely not get a lot of that right uh, same with dairy if it's kind of more low fat sk semi skim this kind of stuff you're actually going to be avoiding a lot of these toxins Really? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? That makes a ton of sense because uh, you know people have talked about that if you lose fat too fast, you're actually yeah. releasing a bunch of toxins into the bloodstream, and you could actually start getting pretty sick. I talk about that in the book, bro. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So actually, yeah, you, you, you really, it's it's no badge of honor. To, to lose a lot of weight very quickly, you know, especially if if your your liver and your detoxification if you don't support your detoxification system on the way, 
um, because when you release those poofers, never mind the pops, the persistent organic pollutants, just those poofers alone circulating, they're going to damage blood vessels, organs, the liver. So, yeah. It, it, but that's another, bro, it's literally every single, every second thing in the, in the zeitgeist, when you really kind of break it down, it's, it's harmful. It's, it's oh, actually and that Sally Fallon Morell, I, I think you might have touched on it too, that like glyphosate actually replaces, it's like a molecule off or not even molecule, like an atom off. Like it's so identical to glycine and that's why glycine or people are so deficient in glycine and, and all these kinds of things is because glyphosate is actually replacing the, the glycine molecule and is our bodies are uptaking glyphosate instead. And yeah. uh, that could be another major driver why we have so many nutritional deficiencies is because these pesticides and inorganic pollutants and stuff are so similar. And probably for, you know, that's probably also why they structured it in such a way to be similar. So our bodies uptake that instead of the natural. I mean, that would be a really like complex, convoluted yeah. conspiracy if that was actually what was going on, why glyphosate is so similar to glycine. But it's it stands to reason that that could be a reason why why it was created that way. Well, they've, they've had for a hundred years, they've had the best, the brightest minds researching these things. So it, it seems to me how, how like, bro, how does one goddamn thing that, like, of, of these 100,000 plus chemicals, how is, like, one of them not magically beneficial to the body? You know what right. I mean? It's like, uh -huh. a, it's like a testosterone ag um, androgen receptor agonist. So it, uh -huh. will, it, will, it will help you bulk up without suppressing your androgens. And, you know, it will, it's a thyroid mimetic. So it will boost your metabolic. No, they're antagonistic to the thyroid they block iodine you know they're estrogenic or you know what i mean like it's christian like, christian <laughs> they're putting fluoride in the water to keep our teeth strong and healthy <laughs> the, there is one i guess <laughs> so there's fluoride and then one one big one that i learned from gary brecca is uh folic acid and how yeah. they spray a lot of uh a lot of grains like like white bread in the store and white rice in the store. A lot of it is called enriched, but it's not mm -hmm. fucking enriched. It's sprayed with folic acid, which our bodies don't like, but the, they're trying to compensate. Well, it, I mean, is it nefarious or are they actually trying to help and they just fucked it up? I mean, like that's where the argument is, but yeah. uh, they're trying to compensate for the lack of folate in our diets, but like folate super, super abundant in eggs, right? So, but then, then they say that you shouldn't eat eggs or at least the egg yolks. You should be eating egg whites only because much the egg yolks yeah. have so much cholesterol. It's going to give yeah. you heart disease. Bro, it's, 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 it's like, it, you see, I really don't think it's, there's, you cannot make that many mistakes because the, the, yeah. the, the, the again, the brightest minds, they're coming up with health policy, nutrition policies, law, you know, all this stuff governance government it's allegedly the brightest minds so to get to blunder so badly decade after decade like you have to be on i don't know like 10 milligrams of fluoride a goddamn day 
<laughs> not see through that shit, man. You're taking shots of fluoride. You're like intravenous shots of flu infusions of fluoride. Yes. God, God damn it. Like Dude, that was my uh one of my coworkers, Brad. He's like he's like a nomad kind of guy, but he was saying that that when he was a kid, they used to bring so he's a little bit older than me. I'm twenty seven, he's thirty-eight. He said when he was a kid. Me? You're 27? Yeah. I thought you said you're like 30, 31, bro. What the hell? I'm sorry. Elizabeth's 31. Oh my god, you even never mind like never mind anything I said so far. You you got another five years of, of destroying yourself and aging yourself. <laughs> Let's Don't go. Worry, never mind. Let's go. More destruction. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 not at all. Uh so Brad was saying that uh when he was in grade school that there used to be a like fluoride salesman kind of guy or you know who who even knows but yeah he would come by the school with like a jug of pure fluoride and he would pour in like little dixie cups for all of the kids some fluoride for them to take a shot of and rinse around and then they were instructed to spit back out but these are children how many of those children like accidentally swallowed it or uh, you know, even swallowed a little bit. I mean, anything that goes in your mouth, you're going to be swallowing some of it. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I'm just like, how fucking sick is that? Dude, because we definitely disgusting. knew back in the 80s and early 90s, we knew what the fuck fluoride was doing. I mean, wasn't it in Nazi it's concentration camps? It's, yeah. The rat poison is sodium fluoride. Right. It's fucking rat poison. Well, it... I, I mean, the main thing that I knew about fluoride was that it was like a byproduct of like the smelting process for aluminum. And then to get rid of it, they just kind of convinced the government like, hey, this is actually healthy for teeth to produce a couple of bullshit studies. The government just signs off on the dotted line. And now we've got a smelting byproduct in our water supply. Yeah, dude. Um, I... (laughs) <laughs> what can you say <laughs> what can you even say to that like yeah you you just hope you just hope like you, you wake up and then you're in another dimension and your soul is like oh thank god that was a dream right it's not reality you know that's what you like that's what you have to hope by the well, way and the main go ahead talking about thomas delauer earlier he's a, he's a good guy i also like him you know he's, he's yeah. a gen- yeah, genuine guy but again, and I'm not saying I'm not saying I know it all. I, I definitely I've been very humbled by the stuff I discovered this year, and I I know I know very little. But these guys are like pushing fish oil as if it's the magical right. thing. Do you know? Here's the thing, bro. If you know Jack or, or a tiny bit about pufas, is that they're very peroxidizable right so omega mono monounsaturated fats are more peroxidizable than saturated fats omega-6s are more peroxidizable than olive oil or monounsaturated but then omega-3s they're even more unsaturated so they're even more vulnerable you made that comment in in the health summit you didn't really elaborate it on like you just did but you said if if you could say like one thing, it's like stop taking the fish oil, stop supplementing yeah. with it. It's yeah. doing more harm than good. 
it, it wasn't yeah there wasn't time enough but like these omegas like uh, just in general PUFAs they're so immunosuppressive I talk about this in the book they're so immunosuppressive that they used to use them after people would get an organ transplant they would give them like PUFAs to suppress their immune system so they wouldn't reject the organ right so mm. omega-3s they say they're anti-inflammatory and the reason they're anti-inflammatory is because they're suppressing your freaking immune system. I, mm. I'm going to do a whole podcast episode about that at some point. I just need to get some more research together for it. Hell yeah. And that, I mean, I'd definitely love to check that out once that comes out. And I can't wait for the book in a couple of days. That sounds sounds awesome. I can't wait to tear through that bad boy. And then I can actually be more um, elaborate because I tell a lot of the people that I work with, they're still in the mindset of fasting and intermittent fasting. And John's like, oh, let's go back on keto. Let's let's start <laughs> doing intermittent fasting again because he wants to lose like a little bit of uh, a little bit of weight that he's put on over the last couple of years since COVID. And yeah. so uh, he wants to go back on keto and fasting. And I'm trying to tell him, like my boy Christian told me that, you know, carbs, you, you got to have carbs for healthy thyroid function and uh, metabolic function, all these kinds of various things. And they're, uh, they're not believing me so much. So it will be nice to have like that scientific backing. Like, hey, look at this right here that Christian cited in his book. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put um, a, a note here. To, to send him a copy of the book. I'll send a couple to, to your office, um, like I did with the other one, uh, just so uh, <clears throat> just so he has one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, perfect. It's, Thanks, man. That That's great. So, uh, just, just tell him, look, we're all stuck with the quarantine 15. They're not coming off. Yeah. They ain't coming <laughs> off, buddy. It's staying we're forever, stuck. baby. <laughs> it's, all, it's like... Dude, I, I, I actually had gained weight as well because I also had a kid and there was all the stress involved. Here with, come the excuses. The yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like my baby weight, my wife lost it. I, I found it. But um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is true, bro. Stress does cause you to gain weight. It yep. does. It Absolutely. Does. Anyway, Ryan, bro, thank you so much for your time. We should do this again sometime. It's always fun. Uh, Hell tell yeah, man. And, and we're going to have you on my podcast soon conspiratorial conspiring i'm gonna fire that back up i actually haven't done yeah. an episode in like two years but i'm ready to to get back on the saddle and uh and document the the collapse as we head into the great reset <laughs> yeah, bro, so <laughs> you, you you got a you got a knack for this kind of stuff so you, you you definitely ought to just you know revive it and um let, let the let the, the listeners know where they can connect with you and all that stuff please yeah, absolutely. So my name is Ryan Minetti. I'm the VP of sales here at Live Free Academy. We actually have our flagship event called the Exit and Build Land Summit. It's the fourth iteration of it. We teach people about homesteading, organic gardening, permaculture, um, buying land and building community in the country. So if that's something that sounds like, like you'd be interested in it, trying to get out of smart cities. We teach people about CBDCs and how to opt out of, opt out of those, how to utilize crypto, all that kind of stuff. If that's something that, that you're interested in, I would direct you towards livefree.academy. And if you want to check out the events page and see what we're going, what we've got going on, check out livefree.academy slash events. And you can see what we're up to and maybe even check out the land summit that's happening in May. But uh, thanks again for inviting me on, Christian. I really appreciated it.
Thank you, brother.